from KQED. KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. I'm Michael Krasny. Coming up on Forum this morning, the Trump administration has rejected California's request for a wildfire disaster declaration. We'll talk about what it could mean for wildfire relief in the state. And California Republicans are continuing to use unofficial ballot drop boxes despite a cease and desist order from the state. We'll get an update on the battle over the GOP drop boxes. And then when will Bay Area schools reopen? We'll talk about why some schools are already opening to in-person learning and why others have no end in sight for distance learning only. We'll want to hear from you. How well do you think your school system is handling reopening? That's all next after this news. Good morning and welcome to this morning's forum program. I'm Michael Krasny. The California Republican Party is continuing to use unauthorized vote by mail drop boxes despite a cease and desist letter from California Secretary of State Alex Padilla and Attorney General Javier Becerra. The unofficial boxes have been found in districts with closely contested congressional races and have been widely criticized by state Democrats as an attempt to confuse voters. Republicans argue that the boxes are a lawful form of ballot harvesting, which allows voters to designate someone else to collect and return their ballot under state law. Joining us now to talk about this is KQED Politics and Government Editor Scott Schaefer, and we're also going to talk with him initially about the Trump administration's decision announced today to reject California's request for wildlife disaster relief, and welcome, Scott. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Good morning to you. Well, the Trump administration did reject this request. It was in a letter from Governor Newsom back in September, late September. This would have mean essentially hundreds of millions of dollars to clean up damage from the six recent fires across the state. And uh, it can be appealed. It will be appealed. But let's look at the motives behind the Trump administration's decision. What are they? Well, I don't want to uh, say what the motives are, because this is a very much developing story. I did talk with Brian uh, Ferguson of the Office of Emergency Services uh, just within the last half hour. And, you know, he makes it clear that they will be appealing. They don't seem particularly stunned by this. Uh, they have, the Trump administration has approved these kinds of requests for presidential declarations in the past for wildfires and other disasters. Uh, and clearly, you know, this uh, wildfire season has been a particularly bad, a historically bad one with really bad fires in L.A., Fresno, Madera counties, Mendocino, San Bernardino, uh, San Diego, and Siskiyou. And so the administration sent this letter requesting disaster relief funds, uh, more than 4 million acres burned in 2020. That's I think double the state's previous record. And so the Trump administration in responding, FEMA in responding, said that the uh, standards had not been met uh, based on uh, their review. So I did, uh, as I said, talk to Brian Ferguson and uh, earlier this morning, and this is how he described what the status of this request is. You know, this is not the end of, of our discussions and our process with the federal government. We were very much in the middle of this. Um, uh, discussions with, with FEMA or with um, other federal agencies can continue uh, via letters and via legal uh, documents for, for months or even years. So um, we continue to, to, to work expeditiously to, you know, turn on those programs to 
leverage just every ounce of federal support we can get. Um, but this is very much an ongoing process. And he did say, Michael, that there are other pots of federal money that are available, like for small businesses and for, you know, individuals. Uh, as I said, the, this presidential declaration is the highest standard. Uh, and so they, you know, they only apply for these when they think they've got uh, all of the uh, verification and the data that they need to get it. So, uh, you know, I think they're not pulling the, uh, you know, the pushing the panic button at this point. Uh, but clearly, it was a surprise. And of course, you know, as you, your question was, what, you know, what are the motives? And the the initial, uh, I think, um, you know, the, the tendency is going to be to say, oh, this is political. This is, you know, this is Trump trying to get Newsom back. You know, that may be true. It may not be true. And it may all work out in the end. This is not the first time that this sort of uh, haggling back and forth has happened over an emergency declaration. A few years ago, something similar happened with parts of the Oroville Dam. There were you know, questions about whether it was on state land, federal land. So they haggled back and forth and they finally resolved that. So, you know, I, I, as, as Brian Ferguson suggested, this is, uh, you know, not the end of the story, uh, but it is surprising to say the least. Well, the president did approve wildfire relief over the summer, and there are other sources of uh, funding FEMA grants, for example, as you mentioned, but no reasons were given, which is why I asked about motive. Uh, but uh, you remember the president claimed the state was not doing enough to prevent wildfires. He said Governor Newsom did a terrible job uh, forest management, not raking enough leaves, I guess, like they do in Finland. And uh, the state faces over a $54 billion deficit because of the pandemic. It needs these funds to rebuild communities, to rebuild uh, buildings, to uh, essentially fix damaged roads and bridges. It's vital, isn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that was all included in the letter that the governor sent to uh, FEMA and to the president. Uh, damage, as you said, to, you know, all kinds of infrastructure, not just uh, homes and buildings, but bridges, schools, libraries, water and power facilities, other infrastructure. A uh, number of people have been killed. And, you know, this is ex extremely expensive. I mean, there are tremendous costs, hundreds of millions of dollars for equipment and firefighters, fire retardant. Uh, there are all kinds of planes and helicopters, emergency emergency shelters, of course, that get set up. So, you know, this is uh, very expensive. It is a somewhat standard kind of request, the kind of things that we see for hurricanes and floods, wildfires, and so on. Uh, and as you said, Trump has so far, FEMA through, and the Trump administration have granted all of these. Uh, and, you know, the president has said very recently that he has a good relationship with Newsom. He, Newsom was even featured briefly in an ad, which I'm sure he was not happy with, the governor. But uh, nonetheless, they do try to maintain, despite all the political differences, which are major, they do try to, cont uh, to, to maintain a good relationship for, for just uh, things like this. And we should mention that some of the stories that have come about as a result of this denial or refusal at this point uh, have mentioned Wade Crowfoot, uh, California Cabinet Secretary, confronting President Trump on climate change uh, at uh, one could assume falling on deaf ears, Scott. Well, you know, certainly that was uh, big news uh, a few weeks ago when uh, the president was here. And yes, the the governor's uh, natural resources director did confront him, and I'm sure the president, you know, did not appreciate that. But I, I think we need to be careful to uh, ascribe what uh, what has happened here with this request to be directly related to that. It might be, uh, but it's not something that we're going to know. Uh, it's easy to speculate about, um, and it certainly wouldn't be inconsistent with uh, the president's behavior on other issues in the past. But as I said, FEMA at the, uh, or uh, the Office of Emergency Services this morning 
Downing, at least, is not saying that. And, you know, they're going to be appealing this initial rejection of the request. Talking with Scott Schaefer, senior editor of KQD's California Politics and Government Desk and co-host of KQD's Political Breakdown. And if you have thoughts about the Trump administration's decision to not give California disaster aid, we do want to hear from you. You can give us a call right now at our toll-free number. That number is 866-733-6786. Again, the number for your calls, 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email forum at kqed.org. I did, as I said in the introduction, also want to talk with you, Scott, about the um, voting uh, drop boxes. Uh, And uh, as I said, this has essentially uh, been challenged with a cease and desist letter, not only from Secretary of State Padilla, but also Attorney General Becerra, both Democrats, we should mention. And this is essentially a a Democratic law that allows, at least from the Republican perspective, their uh, notion that they can do this. Yeah, this was a law that was passed uh, in 2016, sponsored by Lorena Gonzalez uh, from San Diego, assemblywoman down there. And it, uh, as you said, it allowed for independent or third-party collection of ballots. It's been sort of disparaged as ballot harvesting. I think uh, ballot collection is the official term for it. Uh, and Democrats, uh, maybe because it was the law that they wrote, as you said, and uh, Governor Brown, Jerry Brown signed it, uh, perhaps they were mo- most familiar with it, but they certainly made good use of it in the 2018 midterm elections. Uh, the Democrats picked up seven congressional seats that had been held by Republicans, and a number of those seats were not decided until weeks after the election. And, you know, that was simply because of uh, the number of ballots that came in late, a lot of provisional ballots that need to be verified. Uh, but also, you know, the, the, there were a lot of uh, ballots collected legally uh, by third parties, uh, as as is allowed under this law. And Republicans were quite honest. I mean, there, there were, of course, President Trump saying it was, it was fraud and Devin Nunes from the Central Valley saying it's, it was bizarre. And Pat, uh, uh, Paul Ryan, the speaker at the time, saying it was bizarre. But... You know, I think Republicans also realize, look, we got to get in the game here. We, if we can't, you know, beat them, we got to join them. And so that's what uh, has been happening in the last couple weeks. Uh, last weekend, some of these boxes um, pop- popped up in counties where there are competitive congressional races, Fresno, Orange County, and Los Angeles County. And I think the initial um, problem was how they were labeled. Uh, they were labeled to almost, well, they said official, official uh, ballot boxes, and they were not official. They were not condoned or set up by the county or by local election officials. They were apparently put up by uh, local Republican officials. Uh, and that is where I think the initial uh, outrage occurred. They were uh, deceptive. Uh, Attorney General Becerra and, as you said, Secretary of State Padilla uh, sent l- uh, that cease and desist letter uh, order to to them, to the Republican Party, saying that it was, you know, illegal, but also it was irresponsible, that it was tampering with a citizen's right to vote. But, the, you know, the Republican Party pushed back. They said, no, uh, you, look, we could have put better, the labels could have, they could have been labeled more accurately. And they did take those boxes down and they, you know, those, so there are no more boxes saying official, you know, uh, ballot boxes. Uh, that's Those are gone. But they say, look, we're just playing by the rules you created. 
We don't like the rules. In fact, uh, Republicans were very critical of this law when it was passed and then, and then amended uh, afterwards. And they would just soon see it go away. But they're saying, look, this is the chessboard you set up. and we've, We're just playing on your chessboard. So uh, we'll see what happens. The attorney general's office told me yesterday that they are reviewing the letter that the California GOP sent back to them. Um, and it could be that, uh, you know, Becerra and uh, Padilla overreacted. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Well, the Republican chair, uh, Hector Bereja, said, uh, we'll eat crow on that. We'll take the word official off. And they did presumably take it off. But this is not only L.A., Fresno and Orange counties. Uh, it was more widespread than that than initially thought. In fact, uh, it was also used in the March primary. So we've got uh, kind of a, a multidimensional uh, concern here from both parties in the usual partisan, poly, uh, partisan uh, party politics uh, we're going to also invite listeners to weigh in on this. And if you have some thoughts about this or questions about this, we do welcome your involvement in the program. Um, Stephen uh, from San Jose said on the fires, by the way, that the federal government should be helping a continuation of gamesmanship, which is harmful to everyone. Uh, and uh, Davey says, are these drop boxes for GOP ballots only? Hasn't this practice been made legal by the recent ballot harvesting law? And I think, Scott, you had already answered that question. Uh, we're coming up on a break. We'll be gone for about 60 seconds, but you do indeed have an opportunity to join the program, and we invite you to do that. Join us by phone toll-free at 866-733-6786, or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. You're listening to Forum on KQED Public Radio. Scott Schaefer, our guest. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny, and we're talking about the ongoing battle between the California Republican Party and state officials over unofficial ballot drop boxes with Scott Schaefer, senior editor of KQED's California Politics and Government Desk, and co-host with Marisa Lagos of KQED's Political Breakdown. Getting some comments here uh, and questions. Um, let me just clarify one other thing before I go to these and our callers with you, Scott, and that is... Um, these boxes, uh, as I said, initially said official on them, but that was taken off. Uh, but there are also other requirements. The boxes are supposed to be left with, uh, supposed to be made of particular materials and have narrow slots and be bolted down. There are all kinds of, in other words, security measures, which I think have been quantified. And uh, uh, marking them official is one thing, but these weren't necessarily adhered to either. I heard, happened to hear former governor, Republican governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, talking about this, and he said, "These, this is this is a stupid thing. This is uh, these are fake ballot boxes." Is how he characterized them. Well, I I, don't, I think the GOP would push back on that. They they don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger much these days, but um, you know, I think they there are certainly specifications for security. They can't just be left like in a park somewhere. And the GOP claimed in that letter they responded. Uh, with that, uh, in fact, there was security, that they were not outside unattended. They were in places like gun stores and churches and campaign headquarters where people were keeping an eye on them. And they claim that all uh, conforms with the law. 
and the requirements for that. Uh, so, you know, this will all be, uh, we'll, we'll see. The AG is, is looking this over. Uh, the, I know that Alex Hall, who is our reporter in the Fresno Bureau, went around yesterday to some of the locations where these drop boxes had been put in Fresno County in that 21st Congressional District, and she couldn't find them. So it appears, that at least in Fresno County, that a lot of those boxes, if not all of them, have been removed. They may come back in some other form, uh, but for now, at least uh, some of the places she went to that where they had originally been, there were no boxes. Well, let me read a question, I think a key question from a listener named Amy, um, and then we'll go to our callers. Amy wants to know, does the California Republican Party have any way to guarantee that the ballots collected in their boxes are all delivered and counted in a timely manner. Well, they say that they that they are, and the same question could be could could be put to Democrats. Uh, you know, uh, as they point out, the Republicans in their letter, uh, there is some squishiness in the law in terms of where these ballots are to be kept and for how long. They the, the example they use is you can put them in a you know they can go door to door and collect them in a sack and leave them in the trunk of your car or leave them in your basement for a couple of days. I think I think you have to send them get them to election officials at the county level within three days. I believe that's what the law says. And so, you know, this is what Republicans have complained about for, you know, since this law was enacted, is that there aren't enough safeguards, that you, there isn't enough uh, assurance that the uh, the custody of the ballots is going to be guaranteed. Uh, and so, you know, these are things that Republicans have been complaining about. Now, ironically, Republicans are saying, oh, now the Democrats are trying to suppress the vote. They're trying to suppress Republicans from voting, which certainly uh, I think is a little far-fetched. I mean, especially when you compare what is legitimately being done in other states to suppress the vote in places like Texas and Georgia. Uh, but I'm sure they're having a good time turning the tables on Democrats and saying, uh, no, you know, you're now you're trying to suppress the vote. Well, President Trump brought up ballot harvesting by Elon Omar's people in Minnesota. I guess the only way to really check if these, there's really no way to check if these ballots are counted or altered along the way. I think that's a kind of a given. Well, I think, first of all, they're supposed to be sealed. So if uh, if one arrives at a, at, an, at a county election office and it's been opened and there's some appearance of ch votes being changed, that's going to be flagged. And uh, that voter who has to sign the back of the, uh, the envelope um, is going to be contacted. So, you know, there are a lot of safeguards. And, you know, I should say that months ago when President Trump was, you know, in full complaint about uh, ballots being sent to all active voters in California, I, I, I called registrars of voters in red counties, you know, counties that went overwhelmingly for Donald Trump in 2016. And not a single one of them had any concerns about security of the ballots, and including you know, this so-called ballot harvesting or ballot collection. I think they, as they, they feel that there are a lot of safeguards on uh, voting in California and that these allegations or concerns about fraud are not very well founded. Well, the president has certainly brought a lot of that to the attention and put a spotlight on it. It goes to the heart of every California voter from his perspective, getting a mail-in voter ballot. But let me bring a caller aboard here. And Jim, let's find out what's on your mind. Join us, please. Jim in Lafayette, are you with us? Yes, I am with you. Oh, Thank please, you, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> we have a cabin at Huntington Lake in Huckleberry Track, which is on federal land. And we have a permit for that cabin. We have 64 cabins in our track. 44 of them were destroyed by the Creek Fire. The Forest Service is responsible for protecting and maintaining that forest. This is the Sierra National Forest. 
The Forest Service was not on the job. They allowed huge log decks of dead trees to be stacked in the immediate vicinity of our track, and that contributed like matchsticks to the fire that destroyed all these cabins. We desperately need FEMA help because we have no support from the county or the state for services since this is not fee-owned land. So wanted to pass that comment on. I'm glad you did, Jim, and I thank you for that. In fact, uh, apropos of that, Scott, uh, George says, will the Fed release the wildfire funds if California rescinds its sanctuary laws? Why should the government negotiate with a state that is in open revolt or resistance? Well, to Jim's point, uh, yeah, 57% of the forest lands in California are controlled by the federal government. And so when the president uh, complains that uh, the, the, the forests haven't been managed properly, you know, he needs to look in the mirror because uh, the majority of that land is controlled by the federal government, and a lot of it is also in private hands. So, yeah, to Jim's point, uh, this is something that the federal government needs to take responsibility for. And, you know, and the state has acknowledged, yes, there, we, we could all do a better job of managing the forest. This is part of the issue. It is not the major part of the issue. Climate change, of course, is making all of these risks and, and fires worse. Um, but, uh, you know, that is, you know, it's not irrelevant, but it's also uh, sometimes misplaced in terms of its importance. And uh, back to ballots for a moment, if I could, yeah. Scott. Uh, Ryan wants to know, is the California GOP hoping that this will spark a legal battle that would result in the invalidation of mail-in ballots? Uh You'd have to ask them that. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, I think that they're trying to bring attention to uh, a system that they don't like, a law that they don't like, a process that they have complained about for many years. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, they're also, if they can also expose a little bit of hypocrisy on the part of Democrats, that would be frosting on the cake. And another listener wants to know, what are the security protocols around ballot harvesting? Are independent investigators allowed to see how the ballots are handled and delivered to election registrars? I don't know what you mean by independent investigators. I mean, as soon as you start talking about independent investigators, I think there's concerns about people intimidating voters. Uh, you know, the president has called for, and and his son uh, have called for an army of people to appear in uh, Philadelphia, for example, at polling places to make sure that there's no fraud or ballot tampering. I mean, these are the kinds of things. When you start talking about those kinds of things, you begin to infringe upon voters' rights to privacy and the ability to cast a, a ballot. Um, but there are, like as I said, there are laws. That, you know, the, the county election officials take these things very seriously. You know, they, and that's one of the reasons it takes a long time to count all the ballots. You know, we, we've been saying all along this is election month in October. People are voting. You know, one and a half, two, two million people now have voted in California. Those ballots are being processed by county uh, election officials, and those will continue to come in up until Election Day. And if they're postmarked on Election Day but arrive up to 17 days later, they will continue to be counted. So, you know, I think that there are safeguards, but one of the reasons we won't know uh, the outcome of all these races, especially the close uh, races for Congress and maybe ballot measures, uh, is, is that they do take care. They do verify signatures. If they have concerns, they go back to the voter and say, this doesn't look like your signature. You know, they give them an opportunity to what's called cure the ballot. So, uh, you know, th this is not the, the wild, wild west. Well, we're right. going to have to leave it there. Thank you, Scott. You're uh, welcome. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer. Coming up next, we're going to get an update on school reopening. I'm Michael Krasny. Stay with us.